You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. Um, if you've got a Bible, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 is where we're going to be eventually. That's, that's where, not where I'm going to start, but we'll, we'll get there, Romans 12. So um, I, I've heard people ask the question to, to many pastors, what do I have to do? What do I have to do in order to actually make God happy with me? What do I have to do to make God pleased with me? And, uh, and, and really, if we're honest, if every one of us in this place are honest this evening, um, that's the primary question that every one of us want to hear, like what are, that we have in our hearts. God, what do I have to do to make you pleased with me? I, I want to I make you happy. Like that's, that's one of the primary questions we as believers, we as, as Christians have is God... How, how, can I be, how can you be pleased with, with who I am? And, and the scripture gives us the answers. I mean, God gives us the answers, but sometimes we just, we don't go there. Um, Psalms 51 verses 16 through 17 sort of kind of give us that, that picture of what it looks like, what it takes to, to, to please God. Um, and if you remember, Psalms 51 is a, is a psalm that David prayed in a, it was a prayer of repentance that he uh, said to that he prayed to God asking for forgiveness. And, and he says in verse 16, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. So David, in this prayer, he understood very clearly that I, the fact that God was not interested in a, ritual, a ritualistic act. He wasn't interested in just Showing up and going through the motions. And sometimes that's what happens to so many in the church. Is we think that, man, if I just come here, this will make God pleased with me. If I just come to church, God will be happy with me. And, and David gives a very clear here. You don't want a sacrifice like this. Or I'd offer it to you. You don't want a burnt offering. You don't want a worship service. That's not what you desire. So God's not interested in a show. Uh, John MacArthur said... Ritual without genuine repentance is useless. So in other words, just showing up and going through the motions at church isn't going to cut it. Like just showing up, sitting in the pew, say, hey, God, I shut the box. I'm here. That doesn't cut. That doesn't cut it for God. Well, what does cut it for God? Well, glad you asked. Verse 17, the next verse there in Psalms 51. The sacrifice you desire or that you want is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. So that's how, how do, what does God want from us? God wants a broken and contrite or broken and repentant heart. That's the thing he won't reject. That's what he's going to please. That's going to please him. That's the thing that will that will cause him to, 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 to be happy with us. And so and you can skip down to verse 19 in Psalms 51 and see what the what the um, that if you have the right heart stance, 
that God's going to be pleased with what you give him. Verse 19 says, then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls again will be sacrificed on the altar. So the idea here is that is that's fleshed out in this text is that um, we as believers, if we have the right heart attitude, sacrifices are going to be acceptable. So when you come to God and you have the right heart stance, you come and pray and you come and offer your worship in, in church, you have the right heart stance, God's going to be pleased with that um, and he's going to accept those things. But if you don't have the right kind of heart stance, God's not going to accept that. God's going to actually reject that. He's not going to be pleased with it. So I, I think in, in saying all of this, with this idea in mind, I want us to look at what the scriptures call us as believers to do with our lives when it comes to giving of a sacrifice, giving sacrifice. So we're going to be in Romans chapter one. So if you've got a Bible, go over there to Romans chapter 12, sorry, Romans chapter 12. Um, and we're going to start in verse one and, and I would just, we're going to run through just the first verse one and two. Um, but these two verses have so much rich information and rich theology just to help us understand what God wants from, from us as believers. So we're going to start in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or spiritual act, depending on the translation there, spiritual act of worship. So in, in this verse, the word therefore is, is put in place. So it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. The word therefore is put into place referring back to what's been taking place in chapter 11. So we have to, we have to go back in chapter 11 and verse 36 to see what, why, why the word therefore is in chapter 12, verse 1. Does that make sense? You guys, you guys with me on that? Okay. So verse 36 of chapter 11 says, For everything comes from him, him is God, and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. So because all things are for him and exist by his power and by his sovereign might, God deserves every ounce of glory. So therefore, we must respond to him by offering ourselves from that exact stance. So God, because you deserve glory, I'm going to give my sacrifice. I'm going to give myself as a sacrifice in order to bring glory to your name. So because of God's great mercy, because of God's great stance of mercy, um, we are called to present our bodies, our physical bodies, as a living sacrifice. So under the Old Testament covenant, um, God accepted sacrifices of animals on altars. So if you remember all through the Old Testament, what was one of the things they did? They, they took, they built an altar and they put in lambs, goats, rams, Different types of blood sacrifices were used for atoning of sins. Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 9 what? That is impossible to, for the, in order for to have the remission of sins, there has to be the shedding of blood. And without it, there is no remission of sin. 
So all through the Old Testament, there was this picture and this type all throughout the, this, um, all throughout the Old Testament. There's a um, picture and type of, peop- of people laying out sacrifices on the altar in order to have their sins atoned for. And that was a picture and a type of what was coming. So Christ is coming. Christ is on his way. And Christ, when he, when he died on the cross, when Christ offered himself on the cross... Those types of sacrifices were no longer needed because when Christ sacrificed himself on the cross, that sacrifice was good enough for all time's sake. So from the beginning of from Adam till whenever Christ comes, that sacrifice covers all of the saints who repent and believe. So everyone from Adam to whoever is last in line, <laughs> whoever's whoever's the last one. Right. And so. That this Old Testament covenant is no longer necessary because Christ comes and he cuts the new covenant. And those, so those types of sacrifices aren't needed. So therefore, those who are in Christ are the, the only acceptable form of worship to Christ is to completely give ourselves to God as an instrument of his righteousness in this world. So that's what we're called to in this text. Paul writes this out and tells um, the believers in the church of Rome, this is what you're supposed to do. This is where we're supposed to go. So we present our physical bodies in this physical world as instruments of God's physical righteousness to the world that is around us. Um, I love the New Living Translation of this because it sort of kind of breaks it down even further in verse one. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. I, I mean, that breaks it down pretty clear, right? I mean, I, I like that. Um, that's, that's what we're called to. First Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Peter tells us in the text, he says, you must be holy because I am holy. That's God talking. Jesus is talking. So 1 Peter 1.16 tells us, listen, you as a believer are called to be holy. Why? Because God is holy. And that's the thing is God can't have any, any sin in his, in his presence. God turned his back. God turned his back on his own son. Think about that. His own son, when he took on the sin of the world, when he took on yours, personalize it, when he took on your sin, when he took on my sin, God turned his back on his own son. And so there has to be, like, God cannot be in the presence of sin. He will not be. And so the only way you and I get in is not because we're good, but because we're what? Forgiven. We've been redeemed, we've been reconciled, we've been set apart, we've been forgiven by God's grace. And so that's how we become holy. How do you say, well, how do I become holy? There has to be a substitution, right? Christ's substitutionary work on the cross was, okay, I'm taking Steve's place. Instead of Steve going to the cross, it's now Christ who goes to the cross. And when God looks at Steve, he no longer sees Steve, but he sees Christ in Steve. Does that make sense? That, that's, that's what it is. That's what it's called. So we're called to be holy. And the only way we, we become holy is if Christ over, overtakes who we are. All right. Verse two, uh, chapter 12. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by 
testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. So there's this there's this unpacking of, of what we're supposed to do. So we we're, we're living a living sacrifice in verse one. This is what Paul pleads for. Paul pleads, he says, I appeal to you or I beseech you. In certain translations, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Or I appeal to you there, my brothers and sisters. This is what I want you to do. Present your body as a holy sacrifice. You're no longer, it's, it's literally, you're the one to crawl on the altar. You're the one to be on the altar. Not a goat, not anything else. You're the sacrifice. And how do you, how do you sacrifice what, what, do you must, what do you have to do in order to sacrifice? Well, verse 2 says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't be conformed. The idea here in the text is that we're not to cave to the cultural norms that are, are, are happening in the world. Don't cave to cultural norms and do things or okay things that the world thinks are good and right. So when the world says, hey, this is good, right, and awesome, most of the time, it's going to go anti what the Bible says. Amen? And most of the time, when, when the world says, hey, this is good, you should try it, the Bible is probably going to say, yeah, probably not. Because, amen? Like, that's just the truth. And, and, and so, we're called, to, we're called a peculiar people in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 29. We're, we're called different. We're, we're, we're different than the rest of the world. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 29 says, But you are a chosen race, a holy priesthood. I'm sorry, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So God's, he wants, he wants a possession. He's taking you as his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so this, this, we're called to be different. We're called to be peculiar. And we're called to, to not conform to the things that are in this world. And I, like, I know that we're in the throes of June. And June is known now as Pride Month. And, and we're celebrating sinfulness. Like sinfulness is just, just ad hoc being thrown everywhere. I mean, we see it. Can't even go to Walmart. Can't go to Target. Can't go to the grocery store. Without seeing that sinfulness on display. I'm sure they changed the like bottom left part of like computer, like all the way over here. Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's everywhere. Yeah, it's all, it's, yeah, you're, all the updates, it all has everything that's just, we're in the throes of this, of this celebrating sinfulness. And, and, and I know the pull, I'm like, listen, the pull is real. To cave to um, celebrate sinfulness. Like the pull to cave to the sin of homosexuality is real. Like it is so strong right now. There are, there are people that are terrified to say anything because, well, I don't want to be, called, I don't want to be labeled a homophobe if I'm, golly. Oh. But listen, it's not hateful to warn people of God's judgment. Amen. Like it's not, it's not wrong and it's not wicked to say, listen, listen, I'm not judging you. Here's the, what, here's what the scripture says. The scripture says specifically, God will judge sin. I'm trying just to warn you because people say, well, only God can judge me. And that's hundred percent correct. But 
He's going to judge you for these things that I'm trying to tell you about. And you can avoid the judgment. Be, be careful. Watch out. And, and, and so... I know the pull to cave to this kind of stuff is real. And, I, and I, here's, I want you to read, I want to read something to you. Flip over just a couple of chapters to Romans chapter 1. And I want you to see something starting in verse 26. And, and, and we're going to get to the crux of the idea in verse 32. But I want you to see this because I want you to see it in context. This is because people say, well, where's the Bible say, you know, Stuff about homosexuality. Well, Romans chapter 1, the second half of Romans chapter 1, in context, is this is what it's all about. We start in the, a sexual revolution, then it moves to a homosexual revolution, and then it just gets weirder from there. And so it, it started in the 60s with free love. And, we, and if we know, we know genuine love is not free, it costs. Amen. Real love costs. Parents, can I get an amen? <laughs> Grandparents, can I get an amen? I mean, that's, that's, that's the truth. So verse 26 of Romans chapter 1. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up the natural relation with the woman and were consumed with passions for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving into themselves due penalty for their errors. Um, Verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manners of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, Murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty or prideful, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. I love that. That I mean, just and oh, by the way, they, they don't listen to their parents. Listen, the truth is, the scripture says, if you honor your parents, you live longer. Amen. That's what the, that's what the scripture says. The first commandment with a promise. Now, verse thirty-one. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Now, now I want you to key in on verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decrees and those who practice such things deserve to die. Not only do they, but them give who give approval to those who practice such things. So listen to, listen to the context of that. So the context is homosexuality. So not only do, does God say they deserve the, the wrath of God, which is to die, but those who affirm those sinful lifestyles. Where's this part at? I got lost. Verse 32 of Romans chapter 1. Yep, 132. So the, in context here, the, these churches that affirm these pastors, and I use that term very loosely, these pastors that affirm and say, listen, love is love. I saw a great meme the other day. It said, if love is love, and it has a picture of a toilet with a straw, it says water is water. <laughs> I just, I thought that's interesting. But like this, so when you, this text tells us not to be conformed to worldliness. This, and this is what happens when, when a nation conforms to worldliness. God does what it's called the wrath of God's abandonment. 
So it says, for God gave them up. God gave them up to dishonorable passions. So that means God says, okay, you want to do these things? I'll help you and I'll just give you a shove in that direction. This is a terrifying verse for a nation to ignore the decrees of God. It's because the scripture says in verse 32, although they know God's righteous decrees. So here's the thing, because of conscience and creation, we know down deep it's not right. You know your sin is not right because of conscience and creation. But in specifically in context with this, with this verse, this is talking about sexual sin. And so he says, although they know God's righteous decrees, they, they don't care. They don't care. So those that practice such things, they deserve the death penalty. That's not Caleb's translation. That's not the American translation. That's God's word in context. And those who say, you know what? They should be able to love whoever they want. And they applaud sin. Those who affirm and applaud sin deserve just as much wrath as those who practice this sin. So back to chapter 12. Because the idea here, what, what I wanted you guys to see was that we're called to, by God, we're a peculiar people. We're, we're called by God to be different. We're called by God not to be conformed. So the, old, the reason I went to Romans chapter 1 was because in Romans chapter 12, it tells us not to conform to cultural norms. So the text tells us not to be conformed to worldliness. It, it, it's quite pointed in, in, in this reality. But listen, this is what I demand. God deserve, demands righteousness. God demands holiness. And so... The reality of what we're to do next in Romans chapter 12 is, is really, I mean, this is what we're called to do. Don't conform to the world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, so don't be conformed to the world, but rather we are called to become transformed beings. We're not, so, so God says, don't be conformed but be a transformed being second corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a what new creation the new creation it has come the old has passed away and the new has come so here's the thing we're not a new creation by clenching our fists and trying harder because i could hear some people sometimes saying well okay caleb I'm just, you know what, I need to get in church and I just need to try hard, which is great. I'm glad you come. That's awesome that you come to church. But here's the thing. That's not the thing that's going to get you to heaven. Clenching your fist and saying, okay, today's the day. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to write my goals down and I'm going to clench my fist and I'm going to try harder today. Clenching your fists and trying harder is not the way to be transformed. We are transformed into a new creation by the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. The person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once we are a new creation, the text tells us that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So the only way we we become a new creation is Christ has to redeem us. How does Christ redeem us? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you. Romans chapter 10 verse, if if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be 
saved. So this, these are, these, this is the way to become a new creation. But the scripture gives us a very clear indicator here that once you are a new creation, you are to become different. You're going to be look different. And how do you become, how do you renew your minds? Well, the only way we renew our minds is by immersing ourselves in this. Spending time in God's word. It is God's word that brings about the difference in us. It is God's word that transforms, molds us, and makes us different. Because this is where he tells us what he wants us to do. This book, this book that you and I are holding right now tonight in our hands, is the book that God wrote down Theophanuscus, remember, Theo means God, Phanuscus means breathe. All scripture is Theophanuscus, is God breathed. For what purpose? To mold us and shape us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we renew our minds by immersing ourselves in the scripture. We focus on what we are to become rather than what we were. We need to focus on what we're becoming rather than what we were or what we present, maybe even what we are right now tonight. We're to focus on, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Listen, and listen, God doesn't want you to be more like Caleb Gordon. I can promise you that. Amen? He wants you to be more like Jesus Christ. He wants you to be more like his son. And we're to focus on what we are to become rather than what we were. And the goal is to become Christ-like. And we do that. We become Christ-like by focusing on Christ's word. We don't, we don't just coast once we've become redeemed. Like that's the, I, I've, you know, I look at people who say, I'm a Christian. And there's no difference in their life. There's no pursuit of holiness. There's no desire for things that are godly. They're just sort of kind of, they've been, and I'm not talking about baby Christians. I get it. Baby Christians, I give them a pass. Because baby Christians, how many of us have done dumb things when we were baby Christians? Anybody? Okay. Yeah. Still, right? Okay. And some of, listen. I'm still doing some of us might, but here, I'm going to tell you. The, 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 the believer that's been in, been in it for 50, 60 you know, years and just sort of kind of still coasting, man, we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to dig in and, and really get ourselves planted into who God is. We don't just coast once we become redeemed. We're to dig in to the deeper things of God. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 8 tells us the following. But blessed is the one who trusts the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They are like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear what heat may come. Its leaves are always green and there is no worry in the year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. Someone who's a genuine believer is not going to be perfect, but man, they're going to bear fruit. They're going to bear fruit because the scripture tells us in Matthew that man, if if you're not bearing fruit, that's a very, the scripture says that to prune that branch off and throw it into the fire. Prune it off and, and throw it off into the fire. We're called by God to put our roots in deep into the things of God. Our confidence is to be found in him and the word to be like a tree planted by the waters. And we send our roots deep into the streams and we don't fear tomorrow. Amen. We don't have, we don't worry about, listen, as a believer, I don't care what the stock market says. I don't care who's in the white house. I don't, I don't care about those things because at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. What matters is who's on the throne in heaven. And guess what? Ain't nobody going to pull him off. 
Satan tried. <laughs> Amen. Satan tried. He said, hey, man, I'll ascend to the Most High. Guess what happened? <laughs> Gone, right? So we, we're called by God to trust in him and not fear what comes. And I love this. The leaves are always green. You know what? Green leaves indicate what? Life. Life. It's when they, they die and crumble and turn brown. You're like, man, it's dead. That's my wife. She can't keep a plant alive for, to save. Hey, they're still alive. Guess, you, know, you know why? Because I watered them. <laughs> but this uh, Psalms 1-3 says what well, it echoes this. Psalms 1-3 says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruits in due season, and its leaves do not wither. So back to the green leaves and life. In all he does, he prospers. Why? Because he's following and he's put his roots deep into the things of God. And how do we put our roots deep into the things of God? Is we study this. It's not just opening it on Sundays or Wednesdays. Okay, I've got time to open my Bible. We need to read this thing every day. And listen, there's enough resources out there that we can't, there, we can't there, there's no excuse. Well, I don't know what to do. There's apps. There's everything you can think of that will help you just walk through what you're supposed to read. And give you direction. So we've got plenty of direction. It's a matter of time management. We, 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 have to, we have been given what we need via the text to sustain us and to grow us into what we need to become. That, that's what we've been given. So we're to be transformed by daily renewing our minds by Focusing on the text of God's holy word. And because we focus on the word rather than the world, because we're renewing our minds in God's word, we can find out exactly what the will of God is for our lives. You know that? Like, how many, how many people have always said, Man, oh, I wish I knew what the will of God was for my life? Right? We ask those questions. Man, what's the will of God for my life? Well, the Bible tells us. Let me just, let me just read one of these here for you. Um, well, hold on. Let's, let's, go a little, let's go a little bit further. The, the second half of Romans 12, 2. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. So this is, this is what so many Christians struggle with is, what's God's will for my life? Where, where do I go? What's the direction? What do I, I'm not sure where I should go. I'm not sure what I should do. I'm not sure what, 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 should, I, what should happen here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Now listen, this is, this is super helpful. Verses 16 through 18, listen. Verse 16 says, rejoice always. Verse 17 says, pray continually. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So there's three things right there. You want to know what the will of God is? Rejoice always. You mean, wait, Caleb. When oil's so high, when gasoline prices are so high, when the economy's shaky, I should still rejoice? Yes. yes. Because the scripture says rejoice not just when things are going well. But man, there's, there's people that teach that. If, you, hey, if, thing, if you're going through a struggle, it just means your faith isn't strong enough. Well, no. We'll, we'll see that in a minute. Verse, 
That first one, number one, rejoice always. What's the God's will for my life? Rejoice always. Number two, pray continually. Pray continually. And then number three, give thanks in every single circumstance. You say, well, wait a minute, pastor. What about when crummy stuff happens? What about when somebody dies? What about when somebody gets sick? What about when I lose my job? What about if I lose my money? What if, what, what if, what if, what if? What if difficult seasons come? Well, what are we to do? I'm glad you asked. That's, you guys have got great questions tonight. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 gives us the prescription. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you're, you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your, your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance. And we know that perseverance, we'll keep reading in. I want you to see, uh, let me go back to it. I went a little bit far, a little bit short on that one. I got to scroll back to it. But what, we're, we're, to, we're to give, consider it pure joy, brothers, when we jump into different kinds of trials. We see different kinds of trials. We know that it produces steadfastness or perseverance. Verse 4, and let steadfastness or perseverance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Like, you want to lack nothing? This is what you're called to do. Like, consider it joy when things come, when things go difficult. What's God's will for my life, Caleb? Rejoice always in every single circumstance. Why? Because this is God's will for you that's in Christ Jesus. And because at the end of the day, in 10,000 years, your momentary trial is not, well, you, I can promise you, in 10 million years when you're in, on the streets of gold walking through heaven, you're not going to be like, you remember that time in 2022? You remember that time when we lived in Kansas? Remember when we did this? Remember when this happened? Remember when the, this? You are, none of us are going to bring those things up because we're going to see such glory in front of us. We're going to see such majesty in front of us that we're not going to think anything about this. We're going to rather be focused on the reality of where we are. And so James tells us, listen, consider it pure joy because when you walk through these different kind of trials, it's going to test your faith and it's going to produce steadfastness. And when that steadfastness has its full effect, you're going to be perfect, complete, and you're not going to lack anything. Romans 5 gives us a, another glimpse of the same exact thing. It says, not only this, but we also glory in suffering. We, we rejoice in suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character pr produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So you, okay, when you are not conformed but transformed by the power of God's word, you now are able to test and discern and know what the will of God is because why? You're attuned to what God's thoughts are. When you're reading this, when you're, when you're fusing this to your heart and into your mind, when this book is, is something you focus on and you read and you meditate over and you memorize and you engraft the scriptures into your mind and your heart, 
It says that you're going to be able to discern what the will of God is and you're going to be able to figure out what's good and what's acceptable and what's perfect. Why? Because God tells us what's good, acceptable, and perfect in the text. Amen? He tells us, this is what I want you to do. This is the direction I want you to go. This is what I want you to pursue. This is what I want you to be a part of. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? I want you to rejoice in every circumstance. You sure, God? Yep. That's what I want you to do. Are you sure? How do I know? Why don't you pray about it? Okay. Instead of worrying about it, what if we prayed about it? Can I get an amen on that one? How many of us worry more than we pray? Golly, what if, what if tomorrow this happens? What if tomorrow this happens? What if tomorrow this goes down? What if this, what, 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 what right? What if this happens? Well, this is what I can tell you we're supposed to do is rejoice over everything that's happening. And then we're supposed to pray about these things that are going on. And then as a result, then have a thankful heart. So rejoice, but also be thankful. Be thankful in every area of life. For this is God's will for you. Okay, that's what you want me to do? Well, God, what do you want me to do? Don't conform to the world. Don't conform to worldliness. Don't conform to the silliness. And listen, we'll talk about this on Sunday, but man, Southern Baptist Convention has absolutely gone nuts. They are out of control. I saw Chansey, that's the reason I thought of it, because he and I have been talking all week about it, and so it just, it's your fault, Chansey. <laughs> it, it's just Southern Baptist Convention. Like, it's just... And I, I, have, I had over a dozen close friends who were there personally who were texting me saying, saying, hey, this is going on. This is, oh my goodness, this is happening. This is happening. And so, listen, the church is not to conform to the world. Like we as the church are not to conform to worldliness. We are to be transformed by renewing our mind, by studying this. And, so, and even if it goes against the grain of culture, we are to stand firm on the promises of God's word. Amen. Like that's for sport stand firm and not just, well, what if I offend somebody? Well, I can promise you, you're probably going to. We're probably going to. This is, this is, okay, so this is what it looks like to be conformed, not to conform, but rather to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're called by God to be transformed and we transform ourselves by being just Rooted down deep in the text. And that, that's what we're called to do. And when we do that, we're going to be able to figure out what's good, what's acceptable, and what's right. And consequently, if we're not, that's the reason we can't figure out. I mean, like, our country can't figure up, up from down. We don't know what's, we can't, we can't say, hey, well, what, what's a woman? That seems like a pretty simple question, Amen. Like, what, what, what's a woman? Uh, I can't, I don't really have the authority to say. What? What do you mean I don't have the authority to say? Well, I don't know what a woman, because a woman can be different to different people. No, a woman's a biological female that has the makeup to be able to reproduce children. I just... On, at the Southern Baptist Convention, what's a pastor? Well, we don't really know. We need to have a committee. They really said that. We need to put together a committee. Really? Okay. 
See, I told you, you guys are getting a little Sunday. I'm sorry. But this is, like, this is where we are. When we're not engrafted in God's word, we're not going to be able to be transformed and know what's good, right, and, and acceptable. We're going to be confused and we're going to be upside down and we're going to be, not be able to make decisions because we're not engrafted in God's word. You want to be able to make, answer questions in the world today? Know what this says. Read this book. Study the word. And when you study the word, this is how you're going to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit for our lives. In today's culture. That's, what, that's what's going to happen. And if we don't, like it's going to be at our own detriment. Amen? And so that, that's what we're called to do. And these first just, I mean, this is just the first two verses of Romans 12. And just, just the simple fact of this is that this is what we're called to do. And then verse 3, I love it. Verse 3, it says, for, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, not to think too much of himself or to make think too highly than he ought to think, but to think on sober judgment. And when we're not focused on God's word, guess what? We can start to think too highly of ourselves. We can start to think, well, look at me. I'm a good person. The scripture says that none are right. Remember when the young rich ruler? He said, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus doesn't go, well, there's 12 steps here, three steps here, do this. He looks at him and goes, why are you calling me good? There's nobody good except for God. So he says, listen, there's no such thing as a good human. It might be nice, but there's no such thing as a good human. We're all, we're all wretches. We're either forgiven or we're going to be judged. One of the two. And so don't think too highly of yourself, but rather what? Each one of you, what? Think with sober judgment. So we're called to think. We're called to, and how do we think? If we're not transformed by the power of God's word, we cannot make sober judgments. We cannot make right decisions. We have to be ingrained in this book in order to be doing what we're supposed to do. Amen? You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas 67024. God bless you.